1: Radio 610. The Texans play here at Odyssey Station. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast.
3: All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Um, Cynthia Freeland, she, she uh, makes good content on NFL.com, I would say. she's Especially if you like numbers. Uh, she's sort of their numbers guru on um, on NFL.com. And she does a, an article at the end of each year where she looks at the units around the NFL that were the biggest overachievers based on preseason expectations, preseason um, win share rankings, okay? So how, you know, it's win share. It's just a you know measure of how good certain units are, how much do they contribute to winning. Um, units, overperforming units like the Detroit Lions offense, which was forecasted to be 14th and was fourth in the league. Units like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers passing offense, starring Baker Mayfield, champion of the precision passing drill at the Pro Bowl games. They were slated to be 26th before the season. They finished middle of the pack, 14th. Big overachievement going on there, Seth. Um, For the Houston Texans, this is the first time this has ever happened in the history of her doing this sort of thing. She usually isolates a position group or a side of the ball. She's never honored a whole team before, She's honoring the Houston Texans. The entire team was slated to oh, be really? 29th, yeah. according to WinShare rankings, before the season, yeah. and they finished a um, a somewhat shocking for some people 11th in windshare ranking at the end of the year the 11th best team that's basically. interesting
2: is that's right about where they were in a lot of the power rankings at the end they of were the year too, yeah they, right around 11th or so Yep. so uh, like uh, yeah you know I'm a little bit insulted on behalf of the special teams unit if you're gonna say the entire team like okay I'm, I'm guessing the special teams I, I the special teams was probably projected to be pretty high and they finished pretty high so uh, you know what Cynthia I reject I reject your first time ever doing the entire team you should have done the offense and the defense and and left the special teams out of it. Okay, uh, they didn't overachieve. They they uh, achieved just like they expected to achieve. Okay, all right. Damn it! Uh, I'm sick of sick of this disrespect. On
3: behalf of Frank Ross and yeah. John Week signing his new deal. Yeah. Um. This is um. So there's some good stuff in here if you're looking to get excited as a Texan fan or looking to, some of this stuff you already know as a Texan fan. But it's fun to read because this is the first. January and February in a long time where we've been able to read fun, cool stuff about a team that's going to be good next year. Yeah. C.J. Stroud, uh, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, 142.8% passer rating on passes that traveled 20-plus yards through the air. Yeah. That's incredible. Dude, 142.8 a 142.8 passer rating on deep balls.
2: On deep balls, right? Like, that's a, like, usually, usually you're doing awesome if you just complete like 40% of those. Uh, and CJ was just, was dealing on, on deep balls. It was, um, I think that's the one thing you got to remind yourself when you get frustrated with the way the Texans were running the ball and that it seemed like Bobby Slowick was just way too committed to the run at times is that, you you can't brag about that deep ball stat if you don't all, also accept that running the ball consistently was part of it. You've got to set up even though it's not working, it still helps set up the even though the runs not working, it does work to set up the deep balls and and that made a big difference for for CJ. Yep.
3: Um. She also says uh, that Will Anderson mentions him here. Wildly impressive stuff from CJ. He was complimented by a defense that includes strong candidate for defensive rookie of the year. Will Anderson. Oh, that's right. We get the awards this this coming week. Looking, and Andre Johnson, Possible Hall of Fame this week. Sorry, I'm just thinking out loud about how excited I am for next week.
2: They do the NFL Awards usually on Saturday, the night before the Super Bowl. Is it Saturday? Is
3: it, is it is it Thursday? I thought it was Thursday.
2: Oh, is it? Yeah,
3: okay. no, it's definitely Thursday because Casario's flying in for it on Thursday.
2: Oh, okay. It's
3: Thursday, yeah, yeah. So that's when it'll all get announced.
2: Casario's flying in for it? He
3: is, yep. He is. He's going to come on with us next okay. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I wonder why. Okay, wait. Why is he flying in though? Because
3: the, to support the many Texans who are nominated okay. for the awards. Okay. Yeah, I mean right. CJ, Will, D'Amico, and Bobby Slowick are all nominees
2: and okay. finalists. Oops. I didn't know if they also. I, I thought I was just wondering if maybe the executive? executive of the year was announced that night too. But I don't. I don't it's a good think question.
3: Yeah, I don't yeah. think it is either. I don't know. Maybe it is. I have no idea. Either way, I think he's you know I think he's in and out just in one day. But yeah.
2: Yeah. I guess you know where I am with this is uh like this is where this is a portion of the season off season, and by that I mean from now until September when I I worry that okay sometimes you you get a little too comfortable and you anticipate you you look at overachieving like already there. And like I don't, I, like, I don't think D'Amico is thinking that way. I don't think Nick is thinking that way. No. But as a fan, yep. I, like I, I have to remind myself, all right, yeah, overachieving does not mean already there, and that okay, oh, you finished in this ranking eleventh, and that's way better than people thought. But it doesn't. Momentum doesn't carry you on up into the top. Just like it is with the offense, you know, the offense made a boatload of progress. CJ had a very promising year, but as a total, the sum total of the offense still has work to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very, very good sign, but I'm looking at, you know, I mean, look at like what's going on with Tampa right now where they might try to re sign, they might try to re sign Baker Mayfield. The scary thing about that, if you're a Bucks fan, is that, all right, they were expected to finish 26th in this ranking based on the data. They ended up finishing 14th in win share. The difference their there passing, is for their passing offense. right? For their passing offense. Yeah. For the, the difference there is Baker Mayfield's are like a bona fide veteran quarterback. How much more upside is there for Baker Mayfield as he's thrown to Mike Evans and uh, and and Chris Godwin, one of whom might not be back. Like you got to get you got to be really you got to be really objective about, okay, just how much more can we take this? Just because they are way better than people expected doesn't mean that that's the answer.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll take it a step further with Baker, Seth, is that he's a veteran guy who's been in the league six years now. There's a better chance that the year he just had is some sort of outlier and he's going to regress than there is of any yeah. sort of growth from here. You know what I mean? Like it's, well,
2: Especially if Mike Evans is gone.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For, well, and his OC is gone now, too. The guy, you know, they they got to find a new guy to – to call plays in Tampa Bay because Canales took the took the Carolina job. I, I think you, you make a really good point about the just like kind of pumping the brakes on things. You know, get excited obviously for the Texans, but as far as expectations go, the thing I go back to is and I I'll go back to throughout the, the offseason is the schedule. And I know the schedule can change. You know, teams that look really hard in, in March can become Different by the time September, or October. Certainly, when injuries roll around, especially at quarterback, that can change things. But and some teams are just better. Like some teams were penciling the Texans in as a win last year at this time, and they turn out to be ten and seven. Some teams just turn out to be better than you think they're going to be. I would point out that as far as quarterbacks go, if you look at the quarterbacks the Texans faced this year and they went yeah. ten and seven, right? They faced Lamar Jackson. I'm just talking regular season. They faced Lamar Jackson. They faced Joe Burrow. Those were clearly the two best. Depending on how you feel about Trevor Lawrence, he might be third. Baker Mayfield might be third. The version of Joe Flacco that you played in Week 16 might be third. I mean, those are three names. Lawrence maybe, but the other two you would have never thought that at the beginning of the year. The Texans next season, Seth, play – The four quarterbacks that got named to the Pro Bowl ahead of C.J. Stroud. C.J. was fifth. He was the second alternate. They play all four of those guys next year. They play Lamar Jackson. They play Patrick Mahomes. They play Tua, who I just called trash an hour ago. But nevertheless, that's a potent Dolphins offense they play. Um, They play Josh Allen. You want to go over the other side? They play Dak Prescott. They play Jordan Love, who both had really good seasons. Jared Goff. They play the Lions. Um... Aaron Rodgers is back. They play the Jets in New York again next year on sounds, that
2: concrete turf. Sounds to me, Sean, like a good recipe for an MVP. Yeah, uh, you beat all these various teams. I, well, yeah. you, you mentioned now,
3: that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No. Yeah. And I'm not even like like when I bring all that stuff up, it's not because I'm being pessimistic about it or anything. It's just as uh, I, I feel like a, it gives me a little edge as I start to think about the draft and free agency yeah. that it's not like look. It's not, it's not just like some luxury that you're tacking onto this team. It's that you've got to get, to keep this going, you've got to get markedly better in at least a few areas. So yeah, like they've got to nail some of these draft picks, they've got to nail some of these free agency signings.
0: Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect co-worker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Why?
1: Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours.
2: Why? Why?
1: Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak
0: hours? Okay! okay. subject to credit approval no minimum purchase required minimum monthly payment down payment tax and delivery may be required see store for details.
2: one of the best stats in here that I really liked was uh, Nico Collins led the entire league with 399 receiving yards over expected yeah so whatever is expected receiving yards were based on where he caught the football and uh, like Cynthia used a lot of the GPS data yeah. so how many people were in proximity to Nico when yeah. he caught the ball? It was, this is all, this is a run after the catch stat. This is run after the catch combined with how many people did you have to bulldoze to get all of those yards after the catch? So that's, that meets the eyeball test. It's really, I mean, it's cool that he led the league in it. Yeah. He led the league. Yeah. Hell,
3: he had three, the, I think you may have said it, 399 yards above expectations was the number. That's about what he got total. In receiving each of his first two seasons, you know what I mean. Yeah, like dude, Nico Collins, and he missed a couple games too in the season. You know, he finished with thirteen hundred yards receiving and eighty catches, and I think eight touchdowns. And he missed a couple of games. The other, the
2: other, that's it. All it's also a testament to CJ's accuracy because the yards after the catch come when the ball's right out in front of the dude. Yeah, and like uh, at his eye level or chest level, and he can just turn up and go. And and we saw that a lot with Nico.
3: Yep, yep. So um. Yeah man, I'm I'm excited about next year. Like I look at that schedule and I get excited about it cuz I think this team is is maybe not right now equipped. They need an offseason. They need a good offseason, but I feel like they're yeah. going to have a good offseason. They got money to spend. They've got not a ton of draft capital like they've had the last couple of years, but they've got the appropriate amount of draft capital to make improvements in the draft. They're not yeah. missing a first round pick. Yet I, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe plus, they make a trade or something.
2: Sean, this is my favorite part of the year too. When uh, I start to watch some of the stuff on YouTube from like really smart people out there, but but sometimes I think they lose a little bit of perspective when I see things like the Chiefs showed the league how to beat Lamar Jackson, and uh, all you got to do, all you got to do is have some awesome pass rushers uh, and also the ability to play man, and also the ability to uh, basically. <laughs> Do a lot of things that very few defenses are capable yeah. of doing. You know, like it's just, hey, rush five while you cover wide receivers with linebackers and do I like it's just that a lot of the stuff that Chiefs did versus the Ravens, it's just, it's yes, every defensive in the coordinator in the league knows how, that he can do that yeah. or that he could, he could scheme up the X's and O's. It's it's Spagnolo, does such a good job of getting it executed and he has the talent to do it. Like is yeah. awesome. But it's not like it's not like he could like he does this every single year in the league. He's got an awesome defense this the,
3: year. Uh that, that would be like when I was a kid, Seth, when I was a teenager, I wanted nothing more than to be able to dunk a basketball. Yeah. Like I wanted that I wanted that more than I wanted a woman. I wanted to dunk a basketball by God. Well, and because that,
2: you dunk the basketball and then you get the women. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. One leads to the first, other for sure. In America, yeah first you dunk the basketball. <laughs> Then and you then get the women, you get yeah. the ladies. Um,
3: <laughs> but I wanted to dunk a basketball like it was nobody's business, man, on a ten-foot rim. And and you, if I were to see like an ad for something or an, or a headline for an article, Straight how shoes. to how to yeah. dunk a basketball? You know, th- this is how you go ahead and dunk. I'd be like, okay, I click on this. Jump higher. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. That's what that's that's what these people are with the Kansas City defense. We got They've, the formula on how to shut down the Baltimore Ravens. How do you do that? Get Chris Jones uh the, yeah. the 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 uh the Mc the the mick whatever his name kid the, the cornerback who's uh who, who's McDuffie. a who's an all-pro mcduffie uh sneed go get sneed uh sign justin reed get a yeah. couple really good linebackers as well get Loftus coming off the edge there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. get that's, that's it's, <laughs> yeah that's all what you gotta do to me,
2: that was the whole like uh yeah uh, orchestrating Beating the beating Tom Brady is easy. All you have to do is yeah. uh, rush the passer with four defensive linemen. Yeah. Like oh oh, I never a, a football coach never thought of that before. Uh yeah yeah okay oh I'll just get the pass rush with four guys and uh, and then that'll make it easier on the guys in the back end. It's yeah. so simple. It's I, can't just, it's, I, I can't believe I can't believe I can. Nobody thought of that. How before. did I not think yeah. of this?
3: Yeah. This is an interesting question. Uh, Text page uh, uh, 6453. I hope I got that number right. I'm squinting. Um, When you're in the building and you know the players personally, can you get caught up in thinking you'll be okay, or will they be able to keep perspective and replace guys with better players? The pronouns I'm sure they're referring to are Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans. Will they. Do you get too do you get too caught up in your guys in the building? I think that, I think Bill O'Brien had that disease for certain guys. You know? Yeah, that's
2: a, that's a, that's a matter of knowing your blind spots. Yep. And like a lot of, I like Nick's very well aware of that. You can tell just by the way he talks. Um, he's aware of bias and how it creeps in. And Like, more and more in the NFL, you hear more personnel people talking about that. Like, uh, almost like the same way hedge funds, uh, or, you know, financial traders will, will do the same thing. You gotta know your blind spots. You gotta know your weaknesses. You gotta know the, the, the fallacies and biases that everybody has. And that's probably one of the hardest things to do in, in scouting and then in, in coaches, too. You know, coaches especially fall in love with a guy or they know they can rely on a guy. And that's when scouts, that's when ideally scouts and coaches aren't going to see eye to eye. And a lot of times it's that the personnel guy just sees that a player has diminished, his skills have diminished. But the coach just likes the guy and feels like he can trust him like O'Brien felt about a lot of his guys. Yeah. That's when it's up. To, that's why it's so hard to be a GM and a coach. Yes. Like that's why Belichick, Belichick, like say whatever you want about him, about not having Tom Brady or anything like that. He was able to both be a good coach on the technical side of things on the field, but then also divorce his emotions from it. And I don't think he, I think it was pretty rare that Belichick made a decision based on emotions. Like Tom Brady for him was, I think almost his, I think it was like almost his personal test every year to, to prove to himself that he wasn't going to get too wrapped up in an individual player. Yeah. And ultimately, ultimately it ended up maybe screwing them out of an extra Super Bowl or two. But they got six because of that strategy. Yep. So, uh, like, who's to say it was wrong?
3: Absolutely. I, I, I think I, I think my feeling is I think Nick Casario is appropriately dispassionate about yeah. connecting emotionally. I think he connects emotionally with certain player with with the players. Like, I think he's friendly with them. I, but I think he looks at it through the right lens. And I think, too, D'Amico, because they do collaborate on this stuff, I think D'Amico having not only been a player, but having been a player who's been through that sort of up and down, He was at the tippy top. He was a Pro Bowler. Then he yeah. t- tears the Achilles, comes back. He's in a scheme where he's not a real fit. So then he gets traded somewhere, and then at the end of his career, gets an Achilles again, and then his career's over a year later. I think the fact that he's been through that, he's been looked at through that lens a couple times by GMs. Yeah. probably gives him a, a unique perspective that maybe a head coach who didn't play in the league, like O'Brien, may have had with players as well.
2: I remember um, the, the part of, like, Gary Kubiak that people people didn't realize existed when people would worry that he was too nice or what have you. I remember that first year Kubiak was there in 2006. He – there was one day, a few games into the season, and there was a, there was an offensive player that felt he deserved more opportunities – And, and Kuviak basically got up in the, in the team meeting and gave a speech about how, like, listen, I really, I want, I, I want the best for each and every one of you. And I love you guys. And I just, I really want everybody to be able to thrive. And I want to help you do that. But on game day, I use more colorful language in this (laughs) on game day, I do not give a damn (laughs) about what your stats are. Or what your needs are, or whatever. I care about winning the football game. Yes, and and basically, you know, it said a few more choice words, but I just remember him saying, "I do not give a damn," which <laughs> is true. You know, like it, I, I think it's that's like you always need to try to if you keep if you keep your eye on the prize, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of doing that, and then that's how you. You can ignore some of the personal feelings or, or loyalties, but then you also need people that can uh, cover your blind side and see see the things that you don't see.
3: Yep. Um, text message. I think it's so exciting the schedule they're talking about here. This texter because instead of playing the NFC South with trap games, we get competitive games against the best. That's interesting because yeah, they were two and two against the supposedly the janky games. NFC South this year. I mean, they lost to Carolina and Atlanta on last second field goals. They beat the Saints and the Bucks in yeah. close games. So this texture.
2: The, the trap games were just that's the that's the dose of reality you gotta always remember. Like, all right, wait a second. What the how the hell did this team lose to the Panthers and the Jets? Yeah. And it wasn't I, I would like – you know it I'd be able to lie to myself a little bit if CJ had had a horrible, like it had gotten concussed in the first quarter or something. Right, um, the fourth quarter. <laughs> we lie to ourselves. We maybe lie to ourselves a little bit, when when we wonder whether CJ was already concussed going into that game, yeah, so maybe that was a little bit of it.
3: The um, the Texans losing the way they did to the Jets made the petty cast that you and I did yesterday getting petty about the New York Jets twenty twenty two percent less enjoyable. It was still yeah. enjoyable. I still love taking pleasure in other people's pain. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we were doing it for the Jets and Nathaniel Hackett, who schemed up that game for the Jets, it made it slightly less enjoyable.
2: Felt like a movie where like the rich guy was making fun of the pool boy. But meanwhile, the pool boy was having an affair with the rich guy's wife. There you go. It kind of like, he's like looking down thinking. on him, telling him like whatever. And yeah. meanwhile, the pool boys like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Ah, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> the, right. Zach Wilson. <laughs> Was sleeping with our wife. Yeah, that's you know what? <laughs> that analogy holds up. Well, a our bit. moms. Yeah, Zach moms. Zach Wilson was sleeping with our mothers. Our moms. Yeah. Yep.
3: Um coaching carousel has stopped. All eight jobs are filled. Did any of these guys, any of these teams, do better than the Texans did last year with their hire of D'Amico Ryan's a little report card action for you on the head coaching hires in the NFL.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas.